Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. Hello friends and welcome to the Little Woman podcast. I just recently reread Little Heidi. I hadn't read it for years. Do you guys know that book? It tells about this little Swiss girl who is an orphan and she moves to live with her grandfather. And he has this reputation of being a really mean man and people avoid him. In my memory, the grandfather was really mean and didn't really care that much about Heidi at first. Then I reread the book and realized that my memory was completely off. Grandfather was really sweet and kind to Heidi from the beginning, and soon after she came, he started to be nicer to the town folks as well. Someone left me a comment and said that in their memory, Friedrich was a terrible towards Joe in the book but they did not tell me had they been affected by the movies. But they were going to read the book again to see what was the truth. As you and I know, Friedrich is one of the kindest characters in Little Woman, and he is never mean to Joe, and Joe is not mean to him. I also realized that the relationship between the grandfather and little Heidi, it reminded me a lot of the relationship between Beth and the older Mr. Lawrence. Older Mr. Lawrence is generally considered to be kind, but sometimes he can be very grumpy and moody. This is because he lost his son before he was able to make peace with him. This is exactly the same reason why Heidi's grandfather is angry. He had an argument with his son, and then his son died before they could make amend. In both cases, the older man appeals with the help of a little girl. I thought it was interesting and I checked that Little Heidi was written only a few decades after Little Woman. I guess that was one of those common tropes in the books that were published during this age. I always get angry when people say that Joe's anger is what makes her special, or that Joe's anger is justified. In the book, Joe is not really that angry, and she never argues with Frederick. She seeks his advice because she wants his help and he helps her to become a better writer. I grew up with a parent that was mentally ill, and she had lots of anger issues, and trust me, there is nothing about that that should be glamorized or put to a pedestal. It is scary, and it doesn't matter if you are a child or an adult, it is still scary. And now, Christina and I continue our discussion about the chapter friend. This is Little Woman Podcast, how Friedrich helps Joe to become the writer she wants to be. It's interesting how the narrator writes how Joe, hearing these men speaking about a world where God ex- doesn't exist, is, is painful for her. But then when Friedrich b- begins to speak, her world goes right again. You can see how their values are very similar. And I think that's really important because I read this study recently that the couples who stay together the longest are really the ones who have the same value system. 
like it's not sense of humor or or attraction it's actually the values that they share joe is very attracted to Friedrich physically they're more connected by that she values his character like you said that's why you know someone like joe and laurie can be the same like i I was sort of rewriting like a sort of modern take on Little Women and taking that scene when Joe wants to leave New York and Marmy says, well, I don't think that it would you two work. And pretty much the idea that, you know, just because you're similar in taste and personality, that doesn't mean you're going to be the best together. It's really about your morals and your principles. That's what's going to hold you together because really if you are with someone that is exactly like you I feel like you're going to just see a lot of the more negative stuff about yourself that you don't like and you'll not only start to like hate that person but you'll, like, you'll hate yourself you'll go like oh so this is what people meant when they say that they hated when I did this and now I'm going to hate that person because they're doing that but then I also hate myself because I've been doing that too. And it's just this really bad cycle, I feel. But communication is one of the biggest thing of any kind of relationship, romantic, platonic, familial, whatever, work. Uh, communication is key. And it, you definitely get that sense of it here with Joe and Friedrich rather than Joe and Lori because he just does not listen to her at all. It was funny, I was reading one of the Henry David Thoreau biographies, and there is this mention how he had a habit to help the servants and carry their loads. And I was just thinking about that chapter in when Joe meets Frederick for the first time, and then she sees how he helps the servant girl to carry the bucket of coal. So once again, we have this connection between Frederick and Henry, one of those things where you can see how she's more attracted to the, his character more than anything else. Of course, he's like this intellectual person, but also he's very kind and benevolent, like he's described to be in here, here in the book. Bear was not only good, but great. Like sometimes I wish like there would be this real woman adaptation where there was a narrator and would read these things. He- version of Peter Pan where you did get a little bit of the sort of narration that kind of sh- gave some of the more inner feelings and inner thoughts of some of the characters. Wendy had difficulty of wanting to grow up but kind of did and, and it helped to give you a little bit more mm. understanding of the characters. Um, but yeah, uh, it's difficult like, I, I was just saw a thing where the show Shadow and Bone, which is based off of the book series, as well as the Six of Crows duology, uh, specifically, some fans are like, I just, I wish there was some sort of narration, because I want people to know what it is that Kaz really is thinking, because so much of what is said in the novel is wonderful, and so great, but... They can't obviously say those things aloud because the whole point is he's hiding his feelings for Inej, but can't say it. I just want the audience to know that there are those feelings. But so yeah, it can be we 
could always kind of want a narrator to sort of give those little passages to kind of really put it in everybody's faces. Like, see, like, this is one from the book, and two, how character really feels about it. It can't be interpreted in any other way. So stop taking it and thinking that it's this way rather than that way. For to hear German read Schiller is rather an absorbing occupation. Oh, I like that. I hadn't noticed that before. <laughs> yeah. But I remember that he was giving her German lessons and then he read her Tin Soldier from Hans Christian Andersen. But I like that they have also read Schiller and Goethe together. I don't know. It's one of my head canons, like Friedrich reading books to Joe. And I've read way too many fanfics, but like, I like that so much. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just... Hot ice. Yeah, and he's got such a... I feel like it's canon that he has, like, one of the most soothing voices of any character in Little Women. That just listening to him talk, you just be like, please, I don't care what you say, just, just talk. Please talk. It's like... Like, when someone says, like, you know, I could listen to Morgan Freeman read a poem book and I'd be happy. Like, that's how I feel like with Freeman. Like, I don't know what you're saying, but just, just talk. It's okay. Just please. Like, I feel like that would be Joe. Joe would just be like, go ahead. I, I may not know German quite yet, but I'll get there. But I'll, I'll understand just from your voice. Just go ahead. Yeah, somehow my Friedrich always tends to sound like Gabriel Byrne with a German accent. Maybe it's just wired into my brain somehow. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that's like the first version I ever saw. I mean, it came out the year I was born, but still, I'm pretty sure that, like, you know, my mom made sure to have me watch that. She hasn't seen as many versions as I have. To my knowledge, she has seen definitely the Catherine Hepburn one and the Winona Ryder one. I'm pretty sure June Allison. I had her watch the modern day 2008 version, and then we watched the girly version together. I'm sure she would probably like the Masterpiece Theater version, but I, I guess I sort of think what does Friedrich look like in my head? It is closer to Gabriel Byrne, but that's because that was like the first one I ever saw. But he is fairly close. Like he's got that sort of like shaggy, sort of mopsy dark hair and the blue eyes and is tall has a very soothing, calm presence, I think. I mean, they, all the other Friedrichs are good. I feel like they kind of have that same vibe, but I think he just did it one of the best. I like to watch Gabriel Byrne films. He always has this own, like, very soothing presence in most of his films. Even if he plays a villain, I think it comes naturally to him. When I read Little Woman, when I imagine Friedrich, he's like this mixture of Mark Stanley and Gabriel Byrne and my Joe is mixture of Winona Ryder and Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. And my my Laurie never looks like any of the film Laurie's. He has brown skin and curly hair. <laughs> right. I was gonna say, when are we gonna get dark skin Laurie? Like like come on. It's it's you know, twenty twenty two. Let's get let's get a dark skin Laurie, let's get an actual German Friedrich. Let's get an actual true adaptation of Little Women. Just like how we Phantom of the Opera fans feel about Phantom of the Opera. We have many great adaptations that we do enjoy, but when are we going to get one that is actually true to the text? Because <laughs> we have yet to have one. 
That is true. We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. USAA. Restrictions apply. It's like with Anne of Green Gables. I have seen many Anne of Green Gables adaptations, but they are not really that loyal to the book, most of them. They kind of have the same thing that happens with the old woman. They take elements from the previous adaptations. And I think it's a shame. Sometimes I joke that when I retire, I make Anne of Green Gables podcast. But I'll finish Little Woman first. I was going to read Dead of Wallenstein that is meant, mentioned here. Because I read this chapter earlier today when I was preparing for this. So I'm going to put that to my reading list. because, For he was going to read her The Dead of Wallenstein. This is like a fan fiction material story from Schiller, I believe. Yeah, I would say my copy of the book has like these little um, footnotes, and it says that it's a part of a trilogy based on the Thirty Years' War, uh, and it is by Schiller, 1800, which I had never, beyond this, I had never heard of it. Oh, yeah. And about Gabriel Byrne. Somebody left a comment to my YouTube channel that they thought that he looked like Henry David Thoreau. I could see that, yeah. Like it, you know, blue eyes. You gave him those extreme, you know, mutton chops. I could see that. I know that, um, I don't. I didn't see the show, but I saw, like, a picture of it. But I know that, um, Dickinson, the one with Haley mm. Seinfeld, where it's kind of like this, I hate to say parody, because I don't really think that it is, but it's sort of this, sort of, somewhat modern take on Emily Dickinson, but they have um, John Mulaney as Henry David Thoreau, and they give him, like, those... Like, I knew right away who he was just because of those, like, mutton chops that he's got. I could see that once now that you said that. I could see that with um, Gabriel Byrne. When I first did the research on Goethe, I thought he looked a lot like Goethe. And then I wondered, well, maybe all these men have some kind of similar looks that Louis Malcolm was attracted to. That's cool. Yeah. We, somewhere in our subconscious, we have what we're attracted to. Like, like I, I had a exercise when I was in school because um, I went to school for theater, and I had to do a monologue from Midsummer Night's Dream. And my teacher was like, "All right, I want you to try to like picture and have what to you is attractive." Uh, or at least what, is, what do you think are physically unattractive qualities because I think it's, was it Demetrius that I didn't like? And I realized, I was like, oh yeah, I guess I don't really like blondes, blonde guys. Because really in my head when I was thinking about like who I was, my character was supposed to be in love with, I pictured him as being more dark haired and a little bit more less chiseled and not so muscular, I would really picture like a more, uh, I guess kind of in a way almost Friedrich-like, just a very kind face and dark hair type. Because I remember when I said like blonde hair, chiseled, I heard a girl like go, ooh, and I'm like, mm, yeah, this is uh, Demetrius, I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I think that we all kind of, writers, I, at least I just go from the of writing myself of you write characters in a way that you're sort of attracted to and the people 
and in, in relation of like what certain people have affected you in your life, you know, if you write a character that is good but lazy, it's probably because you know you knew someone that was once good but lazy, or someone that was total wishy washy and whatnot. It's because and you paint it as a bad thing, it's because you knew someone that was wishy washy. Definitely knowing that she had a crush on Henry David Thoreau even just to the point of being in love with him, does not surprise me that she would describe Friedrich and many of her other leading love interests be of that same physical trait. Have you read King of Clubs? It's a Louisa May Alcott short story. No, I haven't. You should read that next because it has a German love interest who has a bushy beard. I think you can read it for free online. Oh, cool. And for anyone that wants to know, you can read Little Women Online, too. Project Gutenberg, they have a free, full, unabridged version of Little Women Online. So, for anyone that wants to read it, there you go. After the reading came the lesson, which was a lively one. Bridget was in a gay mood that night. And that caused Pat kept her eyes dancing with merriment. And stopped at last to ask her with an air of mild surprise that was irritable, irresistible. Miss March, well, what do you laugh in your master's face? Have you no reason, no respect for me that you go on so bad? How can I be respectful, sir, when you forget to take your hat off, said Joe. Lifting his head to his hat. The absent-minded professor gravely felt and removed the little cock hat, looked at it a minute, and then threw back his head and laughed like a merry bass smile. Ah, I see him now. It is that Antina who makes me a fool with my cap. Well, it is nothing. But see you, if this lesson does not go well, you too shall wear him. But the lesson did not go at all for a few minutes. Because Mr. Bear had caught sight of the picture on the hat, and unfolding it, said it with an air of great disgust. I wish these papers did not come into the house. They are not for children to see, nor are young people to read. It is not well, and I have no patience for those who make this harm. Joe glanced at the sheet and saw a pleasing illustration composed of a lunatic, a corpse, a villain, and a viper. She did not like it. But the impulse that made her turn it over was not one of displeasure, but but the fear, because for a minute she fancied that the paper was the volcano. It was not, however, and her panic subsided as she remembered that even if it had been, and one of her own tales was on it, there would have been no name to betray her. She had betrayed herself, however, by a look and a blush. For though an absent-minded man, the professor saw a good deal more than people fancied. He knew that Jill wrote, and had met her down among the newspaper offices more than once. But as she never spoke of it, he asked no questions in spite of a strong desire to see her work. Now it occurred to him that she was doing what she was ashamed to own, and it troubled him. He did not say to himself, It is none of my business. I have no right to say anything, as many people would have done. He only remembered that she was young and poor a girl far from her mother's love and father's care. And he was moved to help her with an impulse as quick and natural as that which would prompt him to put out his hand to save a baby from a puddle. 
flashed through his mind in a minute, but not a trace of it appeared in his face. And by the time the paper was turned and Joe's needle threaded, he was ready to say quite naturally, but very gravely, Yes, you are right to put it from you. I do not like to think that good young girl should see such things. They are made pleasant to some, but I would rather give my boys gunpowder to play with than this bad trash. All may not be bad, only silly, you know. And if there is a demand for it, I don't see any harm in supplying it. Many respectable people make an honest living out of what are called sensational stories that Joe Scratching gathers so energetically that the row of the little foot uh, follows her pen. There is a demand for whiskey, but I think you and I do not care to sell it. If the respectable people knew what harm they did, they would not feel the living was honest. They have no right to put poison in the sugar plum and let the little ones eat it. No. They should think little and sweep mud in the streets before they do There are so many things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to say for just a small moment. I again, it's one of those things where it's so small but noticeable. Shows Friedrich's good humor because when he says, "I can definitely hear him in a very sweet, joking voice," like if this lesson doesn't go well, you get to wear the hat. Like he's got a sense of humor about him. I feel like some adaptations tried to make him seem very stern and humorless, even True. though he's very jolly comparatively to the sort of moody Lori, let's say. Our second sponsor is Bookshop.org. Bookshop.org works to connect readers with independent booksellers all over the world. They believe local bookstores are essential community hubs that foster culture, curiosity, and love for reading and are committed to helping them thrive. Every purchase on the site financially supports independent bookstores. Platform gives independent bookstores tools to complete online and financial support to help them maintain their presence in local communities. You can find the link from the description as well. Sponsor of this episode is Etsy. On Etsy, you can start your own shop and reach their millions of customers. With the link in the description, you can add your first 40 listings for free. I think the 2018 thread was quite funny. Yeah. Gabriel Byrne and... Uh... <laughs>
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, I, I think the 1933 was a bit too paternal. I would have written him to be more merry. <laughs> yeah. He does have sense of humor, but people just think, oh, he's this... Trial professor. People are always like, oh, Laurie's so funny. And most of the things that Laurie does in the book, they are not really that funny. Right, like him catfishing Meg and John. That's, he thinks that's funny, but it's like that's an invasion of privacy and such a, a cruel joke to play, feeling those two people. Then it's the, like, the part where he gives Meg all this junk that breaks, and he thinks, oh, this is so funny, and like... And I'm reading that. You can't be serious. The reaction that I have now for that is like, no, don't do that. Because he behaves like he's a little boy and he's supposed to be like 21 or something. There was some Alcott schooler who wrote that Laurie doesn't age well. And I agree so much with that. And I think Friedrich age is so much better than Laurie because... Like you said in our last discussion that he is actually more of a feminist character, which is quite modern for this age. I feel, I always feel like, like people when they try to say, oh, Joe doesn't want to grow up, and she's more of afraid of change, even, and I remember seeing someone say, you can't be afraid of change, even good ones, because it's still change. But Joe, I feel like, grows up before Lori does. I, I always felt like she... Probably, let's just say, if we want to, her lowest point is during around that time when Meg gets married, because to her it's a change, and she's like, I don't want Meg to go away, because it, it's a change, it means I'll lose a sister. To her, it feels like it's losing a sister, and I think partially, too, she knows that, like, because she and Meg are, like, a year apart, that means people will expect the same thing from her too and she's not quite ready for it but I feel like that in the years you know that we get since that time she does realize okay you can't obviously stop from growing up and it doesn't necessarily mean you change completely but yeah I always felt that Lori was really the last character of anyone on Little Woman to grow up because while Joe comes back to New York a little bit more mature and a little bit more worldly, we could even say, Lori is still clinging to childhood and she's like, we can't. Like, it, and, I, and I always felt like his proposal was a last, last um, ditch attempt to try to 
keep hanging on to childhood. And Joe's like, you can't, we can't, and it's going to be a terrible idea if we do. Yeah, and now we know that Laurie was based to a man, to men that were a lot younger than Musume Alcott, so it definitely explains that, why he feels so much more immature compared to the sisters. Even with Amy, when Laurie's in Europe, he kind of, I think there's a moment where it's described that he, he behaved like a penin and child, and Amy was annoyed, and then she lectured him. And Laurie is like four years older than Amy. It's like he's like in between between Meg and Joe. Just roughly, let's just say, if Meg's 17 and Joe's 15, I think Laurie is supposed to be like 16, like something like that. Because it, I think it was like he was allowed to go to this party, but Joe couldn't because like he was of age and she wasn't, but Meg could because she was obviously like a... She's definitely a year older than Lori that I do remember. But yeah, I, I think Lori was the last one to really grow up, and I think that has a lot to do with, if we really want to kind of like psychoanalyze him, has something to do with uh, lack of siblings, lack of friends, sort of like he gets these unofficial sisters that sort of so point in his life and he wants to be able to enjoy a childhood he never had and now that the his quote-unquote sisters are growing up he doesn't like it because he's like i just found my family i found these <laughs> sisters these play play you know play pals and and i and i don't want to give that up yet i hate when people try to say joe doesn't want to grow up and that she's like they're kind of right but i hate when they make it seem like that's her reasoning for not wanting to get married or like, oh, well, she never really grows up. Like, no, she does grow up because one, she knows that kind of has to. And two, even she kind of realizes eventually, like, like the things that she thought as a girl, they don't have to be as a woman. Uh, again, just kind of thinking back of what we talked about in the last episode of like you and I, uh, like if Joe was a modern girl, she would be of that era of in high school where she was the I'm not like other girls. Girls and boys have less trauma than girls, and pink is silly. Only to like she was like my age now. So like, yeah, pink is a great color, and <laughs> girls can be whatever they want to be. Just because a girl likes makeup, that doesn't mean she's bad or anything. And boys have just as much drama as anybody. Again, I, it takes away her growth, and I, I feel like uh, people tend to look at her with a one sort of one-dimensional point of view, rather than being a fully developed character with an arc. I quite recently read about this that when Lisa Malcolm's sister Lizzie died, a month after that, her sister Anna announced that she was going to get married. And then her younger sister, May, was planning to move abroad. And Louisa Mayak was like 26 when this happened. And then that's directly in Little Woman in the first part when Joe is 15. And then Meg, then she realizes that Meg might be in, interested in Mr. Brooke. The actual reason why Louisa Mayakut felt that she was going to be lonely when her sister sort of move out then one of the sisters sisters dies. You know, you 
understand exactly why she is afraid of change. But then in the book, it's more ambivalent. It's more vague. You don't get those reasons behind the reality of things. So then you just wonder, well, why Joe behaves like this? When in reality, it was really because Louisa May felt that all her sisters were in a way leaving her, even though Anna just moved next door, like Meg does eventually. But it's one of those things that I, people make all kinds of explanations for, oh, well, Joe hated marriage. Like she was 15. I probably hated marriage when I was 15. I think a lot of people feel that way. <laughs> they are teenagers. Right. I, I doubt many of us at 15 were like, when I get out of high school, I'm going to get married and have a baby right away. Mm. Like, I doubt very much many of us really felt that way. <laughs> like, you know, I was talking with my friend the other day. I was like, when you're young, you don't really have much of a concept of time or age because she had like a little cousin who looked at her and was like, you're old and she's like I'm only 27 but like again there's just this no concept of like how quickly life goes or age because I remember when I was like in middle school like I don't know 12 years old I watched the 2004 version of Phantom of the Opera and I was like oh Emmy Rossum is like in her 20s but she was like 17 when she did the film but to me I'm looking at her like she looks so like more mature but like now when I'm like now I'm in my 20s and I go and like oh yeah very clearly she's a, like a 17 year old girl but but yeah when you're young and you don't really have that sort of idea of like life and these expectations or realities you just don't think about any of those things and you don't really know what you want you're just sort of trying to get through each day hoping that like you're just stuck in the present like oh my friend and I got to a fight over this boy and I guess I'm just trying to be able to mend that friendship or man I really bombed at this quiz the other day and, and I gotta get that grade up if I you know want to still participate in sports like you're not thinking about the long term of on your deathbed, what would you say you would hope to accomplish? Like, no kid at 15 or so are thinking of those kinds of things. I, it feels strange when people are like, yeah, well, Joe knew, like, she didn't want to get married, but, like, did she even really know what she wanted? Because even as a kid, you can sit there, like, at one point in my life, I was like, I want to be a teacher for little kids. And, like, now I just go, like, oh, no, that is the last thing I really want to be. I don't want to be a teacher. But your mind changes as you see more and experience more. So, and I hate when people are like, well, Joe betrayed herself or the author really screwed Joe over because they had her married. But like, people are allowed to change their minds. Nobody's ever the same as they were five years ago. And I, and I think it's very short-sighted of you to just kind of think, oh, well, she was like this in high school, or just say around that time, or, you know, 15, she should be that way for the rest of her life. Like, nope. And it makes me so sad, because when I read Louisa May Alcott's journals from the time when she was 
an older lady and then she envies her sisters when they are married. It's just so sad. And I think it's even more sad when there are people who say, that, oh, losing out of his marriage. Like, maybe you should do some research before you say that. And it surprised me so much that when I read Louisa May Alcott's studies, there were people who said that she hated marriage. But then when I read these journals, I'm like, am I the only person who has read these? That's impossible. So I have become very critical about any information that I read about Louisa May Alcott because I've come across so many people who say, who say very racist things about Friedrich's character being German, and we know that Louis Mayer loved Germany. So there are a lot of things that really contradict Louis Mayer research. But really, that that part about about her envying her sister's marriages and that they have kids and she only has money, it doesn't make her very happy. I think I read that she made like fifty million dollars a year with royalties from Real Woman, like in modern money. She was filthy rich. And then people are like, she hated marriage. I'm like, no, she didn't. She wanted to get married. And it's so interesting, the parts about Lady Wisniewski and then Henry David Terrell, how I think she did seriously consider marriage with Ladislas, but like we discussed, he was way too immature for her. That's that's the way life is sometimes. Yeah, there's a lot of miscommunication, I feel, with the supervision being had for kids and what kind of lessons are there to be 
sure you deserve better. Like, because I feel like that's the only way people are going to really understand the scene. Uh, because clearly they're not reading the book. <laughs> In that 2018 film, she was writing like, like a f- fantasy book. Mm-hmm. And he loved it. But then he also was like, you can do better than this. Right, like you're writing just the sort of standard of what people expect of a fantasy story, but it was something that has a little bit more of your flavor in it. Like, yeah, I, I always, I liked that that version managed to do that. Yeah, and in 1994, she was writing like a pirate story. And then he was like, you can do better than this. He's never tried to hinder her from writing, just knew she was better than that. Uh, in the June Allison one, again, she outright states, I know they're not any good, but they help pay for grocery bills and to give my dad a new coat or whoever it is a new coat and whatnot. Uh, so I, I, again... That's probably one of the reasons why the, I have such a little bit of a great affection for the June Allison one because there is, even though they, it is sort of based off, it is obviously based off the Catherine Hepburn one and that's obviously not quite as true to book with certain sequences. It still has a lot better of the sort of ideas and essence of what is truly there from the book I felt. And I was just going to say and particularly of that moment because not only does she say that about her own writing but he says well I know you're better than this. You, I wouldn't say that you are a good writer if I didn't truly believe it. That's definitely up there in one of the better versions of the that scene done on film. I agree. Yeah. I think it's so interesting here when Joe feels ashamed of her writings and then when she listens to Friedrich, Friedrich exactly says the things that the narrator has said here, here earlier, how these stories have a bad effect on Joe's mental health. But then he now says that these stories have bad effect on children and adults, perhaps also. So Friedrich kind of echoes the narrator and how she tells how Joe feels about her stories. Yeah. I was going to say, like, that, you know it's bad when, like, she's getting all, like, anxious at the idea that it's the weekly volcano, even though she never had her name printed. Just the mere idea of that being in the house where on this crazy possible idea that somehow she will be found out gives her anxiety like that as someone who has had bad anxiety younger I definitely understand that feeling of like it's crazy but it could happen someone could find out that I did this and but it would be like impossible because I only did this to myself this wasn't what I did wasn't even that bad just but yeah like that's very again uh, telling of just how Joe really truly 
it reminds me in the chapter calls when she has published some of the uh, some of her short stories and there's the lady who wants to give her compliments about her stories and Joe is like oh it's nothing like she really minimizes her her stories because she's not proud of them yeah, and if you really were proud of your work you'd share it a lot more instead it just feels like a dirty secret she's got to keep thank you so much for listening Christina and I continue our chat next time take care and make good choices bye with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.